Welcome to the Active Digital Podcast, brought to you by your co-hosts, Joe Wimble-Groves and Simon Reynolds. Joe is an author and the co-owner of Active Digital Communications. Simon is a Formula One driver performance coach and previously worked for the McLaren F1 team for over a decade. Join us to learn from elite athletes and entrepreneurs to discover why optimizing your human performance is integral to the success of every business. In this week's episode of the Active Digital Podcast, we speak to award-winning mental wealth entrepreneur, speaker, and champ CEO, Ruth Cooper-Dixon. Ruth has spoken at hundreds of organizations to help them create a thriving culture of positive well-being at work. And that marks the topic of conversation in today's episode. We hope you're enjoying the Active Digital Podcast. And if you are, please remember to subscribe, follow, and share it with others. Thanks for listening. Hi Ruth. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Been out for a sea swim this morning at 6.30 a.m. for the sunrise. So oh my feeling, goodness. feeling fresh and invigorated. <laughs> fresh is definitely the word. How cold was it this morning? I actually don't know because I've stopped taking my temperature gauge thermometer whatever it is in with me so it I think it was probably somewhere between 13 to 16 degrees I would have thought probably about yeah something around there oh very nice cold probably for most people (laughs) (laughs) the most normal people normal persons (laughs) I do inverted commas how how lovely living by the seaside though really nice Really nice. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. I'm, you know, we know each other um, anyway, and obviously you're part of my book, which is amazing. And I just feel that you've got so much wisdom and and expertise that we can tap into today. And I also think you and Simon are going to get on really well with everything that you are aligned with on health, fitness, well-being, mental health. So I think it's going to be great. But what I'd love to do, Ruth, is find out just a bit more about you. So what led you to start Champs Consulting? You've started your own business, which is very successful and couldn't be more timely. So you must have had a mm. um, some early thoughts of what businesses really need. Um, so how did your career journey sort of take you through to where you are now? I had a really long career in the corporate world when I started at 19 at Rolls-Royce Aerospace in Derbyshire who put me through my first degree in business so business was something that I always loved I did that in sixth form and what I loved about Rolls-Royce was that I got to work on very different parts of the business and, and actually really understood about organizational change and development at quite a young age actually and as a project manager understanding the impact that business operations can have on people and their ability to deal with change you know this is from a manufacturing and engineering perspective went off to Australia and did my MA in international business and majored in marketing for me that was a part of my skill set that was missing and really came back to the UK and fell in uh, fell into talent and recruitment and worked with the investment banking in London then word got around about my background in projects and in the wealth management part of the business there was um, a need for a project management officer so I got moved into there and started I uh, was retrained as a, a Prince 2 project manager and was retrained in HR and 
um, leadership, learning and development projects. So I was doing lots of different types of projects with a people focus. So I guess there's always been a, a thread of people about what I do. And also working back at Rolls-Royce, my dissertation was on engineering a female profession, which ties in with kind of your, uh, you know, your uh, advocacy around women in STEM and girls in STEM and the fact there wasn't any, you know, female engineers really that I came across in the business. So social inclusion, equality was always a big value for me. And then I ended up more broadly in diversity and inclusion. So I kind of had this move into a consultancy space and uh, was quite senior for this organisation. I was on the board and was doing lots of good stuff like um, include, inclusive leadership training and unconscious bias training and, and consultancy. And for me, well-being and wellness was always the wrapper that sat around inclusion because it does, you know, it doesn't matter who we are, how we're showing up as an individual. Well-being always changes; it shifts as we know. But back then, this was um, sort of 2010 around that time. You know, people weren't really talking about mental health and well-being you know it was more wellness as in fitness and, and that kind of healthy lifestyle from that perspective but not really more deeper um you know around what what good mental health looks like and I went through um my own lived experience I I went through a relationship breakdown and then subsequently threw myself into work to distract myself from that threw myself into fitness actually as a, as a coping mechanism which as we all know everything has a continuum and it proved to be quite detrimental to my physical and mental health as well. And had a, what I call a very public meltdown in my chief exec's office, um, which is a really horrific panic attack. Always had panic attacks, but didn't know what they were. I'd had them since I started at Rolls Royce, but never spoke about them because I thought everybody had them or it was something wrong with me. I thought it might be something to my blood pressure, but never went to the doctors to get it checked out. I just had all these avoidance strategies and coping mechanisms to deal with it. And actually when I had this very kind of public meltdown, as I I call it um I was then diagnosed with panic disorder and generalized anxiety disorder so that was wonderful because it was oh okay there is some there is something that's been going off here it's not just all in my head I'm not crazy but also the fact that um it took a long time to I mean I'm six years into recovery now and feel very much I'm anxiety is part of who I am but I've been on the very you know roller coaster ride as anyone that's had mental Ill health will often have that roller coaster journey as we all say it's not linear you know <laughs> it's no destination so it, it's kind of really for me as a senior leader in a very you know very lovely company but also people just didn't know how to have that conversation with me about what happened so people would you know I'd come back into work and people didn't really engage on that kind of deeper level as you know is everything okay and I, I always think of it as if you know if you've lost somebody through a bereavement or if you've been diagnosed I've spoken to people who've been diagnosed you know with 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 illness you know sort of cancer or something you know a chronic illness and people just don't know what to say because they're scared of saying the wrong thing aren't they or they're scared of upsetting you and that was a work it was in my professional life but what I realized was when I chose to be open if you like and that's me as you know Joe like fully like where my heart must leave and what you see is what you get I said to clients you know they were like oh we've we, you know we've not seen you for a few months and you've been been out of the business is everything okay and I said oh yeah yes I've had some mental health problems and a long way from getting to where I need to be but you know working through that and this is what's happened and people either were really shocked and they didn't know what to say um which I had a bit of fun with because that's just my dark sense of humor or they would most people would go oh I'm so sorry to hear that and 
this happened to me or something happened like that with so-and-so or somebody at work has and you start a conversation so for me it was always about having a conversation and I thought why are we talking more about this in the workplaces so that was when I started Shams six years ago next Sunday the third of no this Sunday the third of October so happy six, birthday sixth birthday she's, she's <laughs> grown up and is at school now like <laughs> so so yeah so that's been that was kind of like where Shams started and obviously, obviously as you know I started my social enterprise Shams for Change which was really about how Shams was walking the talk around the good stuff that we do and we we fund Shams for Change through the projects the revenue we make with our clients part of that goes to Shams for Change And that was always about doing research into post-traumatic growth and working with people who've been through very adverse traumatic life situations, providing coaching for those people that wouldn't usually have access to it. So at the moment, we've been doing quite a few programs with women who are in thrivership mode from domestic abuse and violence. And I've got some academic research coming out on that and working with the humanitarian aid sector so yeah it's been really interesting it's been and that was always again going back to the social equity part of what I'm passionate about that was something I felt was really important for us to do so that was a very long explanation I'm sorry (laughs) no I think that was it was really insightful and you're you're absolutely right you know the problem is we we haven't been talking about mental health enough over the years and I think it's brilliant that you're walking in and saying to your clients, you know, I've, 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 I've not been well, I've been struggling with my mental health. And like you say, it's going to go two ways of how, how they reply to you. And I mean, for, for Simon and for you, Ruth, what are you seeing as the landscape of, of where we are as, as employees at the moment? Like where, where is the state of our mental health at the moment? Because I know before we started recording, I just said a lot of my friends and people I know are feeling really fatigued at the moment. It's almost like this, this since, since COVID has hit, we're all, you go to bed at night thinking I need to sleep. I'm feel tired. And you wake up and you don't, we never feel restored. We still wake up feeling really tired. Why, why can't we shift this sort of fatigue and what's going on at the moment? Do you want me to answer that? Yeah, you go, you go first. <laughs> yeah, I've just um, did a very lengthy explanation. <laughs> no, Ruth, that was amazing, um, giving some insight into your into your life. So uh, I, I, there's, there's some parallels there with my with my life as well. It would be great to have a chat about that at some point. But um, but well done on on getting through that and setting up a business that you can help others um, they're going through similar situations and I think almost probably almost everyone uh, can relate in some way to to that especially over the last um, year and a half or so going through this massive change or transition from working in the office to working at home and then trying to adapt to the home life and then trying to get balance of work and home life and then getting used to working from home but then the, the sort of pros and cons come in where you know you get used to it and it works around your sort of daily routine but the cons are that uh well the cons especially from a physical perspective looking at posture and ergonomics is going to be a big problem i mean some studies coming out i imagine on uh, the effects of working from home on the body um back you know back pain and all sorts of things like that and how important it is to have have an ergonomic setup but apart from that i think i think in in the way I can answer Joe's question just from my own perspective and observing people and talking to people is I think when you go through such a big change that you deal with it, you go through the motions of it and then subconsciously you're, you become a little bit unaware of how it's affecting you and you don't really understand how to deal with it because you're not really aware of it. And 
the fatigue sets in as a subconscious way or release of of that sort of um, that fatigue that you're feeling um, on a subconscious level and you're not necessarily conscious of it. Some people are conscious of it and they can sort of deal with it. But I think um, the way that you've structured your business and and what I've seen on from you, from your website and the things that you do, hopefully that that sort of thing can really help people understand how they can make a subconscious situation more conscious so they can deal with it mm. <laughs> that makes sense yeah it does I th- and I think you're so right about the work setup and how you know especially with this idea of hybrid working and what that's going to look like I think um we we wrote a paper around you know moving forwards and and the return of of kind of what the workspace and what this is going to look like and over the last 18 months I mean I've had meetings with people who've been in garages and sheds in the bedroom you know in the hallway and I'm I've with just moving I've not got my office the office is the last room to be I feel hugely privileged that I have got that space and that was why I've moved over locked over the lockdown periods twice but at the moment I'm just sat at the dining room table in, in the last few weeks and I hate it like I hate sitting on the dining room chair and I know it's not you know I've got my office chair in the other room and, and having that set up but also I was talking to somebody yesterday on the phone and we were saying um I hadn't been at the house on Monday because like, there was no need for me to go out and it was a full day meetings so I just sat here all day without moving and I really noticed a difference just by having that one day so I think if people like you say are not conscious of that and they're going weeks and weeks and weeks just kind of things building up and this idea of fatigue as well where we have you know, we've all been through a collective trauma a varying degrees for, for different people but regardless our adrenaline will have been spiked you know and cortisol level so when they all crash which you know I think we've all got to the point where we're kind of like we've had enough that that idea of languishing where when we're not flourishing there's there's just a real it's described as an absence of well-being that's how the positive psychologist Corey Keyes described it and the idea of just you know you're not clinically depressed or you're not you know you have an anxiety disorder or anything like that but you're not you're not okay and if you're not living a healthy you know well-being life you know whatever that means to you and that means very different things to different people but it's going to have an impact on you isn't it of course yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think uh, the massive thing as well is the social uh, social interaction. Um, you know, if you look at um, the existing tribes around the world, everyone has a role within that tribe, and uh, they communicate, and that's how we all work as as a company. As if we're looking at a company perspective, uh, that communication is a massive part of that, and, and social interactions are that when you take that away, that people crave it. So if you're working on your own at home and you're having that difficulty of work-life balance and not having that social interaction that can be quite detrimental um, I think for your overall sort of well-being and perspective on things so I think there has to be a balance and finding that balance uh, mm. like it's your own interpretation of what you what, what works for you yeah. Um, yeah I think it's important to discover that and and get out of the rut of of everyday the, the everyday monotony of of uh, doing the same kind of things, eating the same kind of things, drinking the same kind of things, whatever it is, it becomes very monotonous. And I think it's it it is it is good to review what you currently do and make little changes. And one of the most important things is taking breaks, encouraging breaks on a regular basis, because studies show that you can only concentrate for a certain length. Yeah. Of time. I think it was like forty-five minutes to ninety minutes uh, for most people. Um, according to a paper that was done on the art, the, uh, the 
the British Army, I think, or mm. I think it might might be the US Army or something like that. But yeah, I think being aware of those things is is really important. Yeah, I think setting boundaries is really really crucial, isn't it, Ruth? Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, because. Uh, I'm I'm in my little um, outdoor office, which is which is very nice. And again, it gave me that separation from being in the house. And I can look out my window, and I've got fields over the back of my house. And I'm not getting up and thinking I'm just going to go for a 45 minute walk. And I was telling my husband about it, where you know I need to set myself some rules because I, I, if I've got if it's a day where I've got childcare, there's nothing restricting me from just going outside and doing that walk. But I always think I'll just do this one extra thing, or I'll just do this, and then I'll do that. And I was listening on the on the radio yesterday. They were talking a lot about guilt and how people just feel. Uh, guilty if they're then spending time with their children and they're not doing work and then they're doing work so they're not spending enough time with their family and this ongoing cycle of thinking that you need to do something for yourself but then you're pulled because you're thinking that you should be doing Mm. something something else Um, and that 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 balance and boundary seems to be a big topic at the moment. And that's a lot of misspent energy, isn't it, when we're feeling guilty? You know, it's, it's a lot of effort to kind of put onto ourselves where we could be directing that elsewhere. And it's almost like, well, how do you create the right boundaries for you? And they can, I think people always forget boundaries are flexible. They don't have to be that. Once you set a boundary, doesn't mean that's it forever. It just means that's what you're going to do at that point in time. And you're within your right as, you know, choice to do that. So it's it's kind of like, well what's the trade-off if you, like you say this squeezing in one extra task often is a, a fallacy isn't it, around being productive and Simon as you said there's a great book called the the four-day working week and there's some really good stats in there around you know we all know that actually the the, the if we're doing like a Monday to Friday working week by Friday you're obviously not as productive as you were on a Thursday and at the end of the day you're probably not as productive as what you were you know in the morning when you come to sit down so but then again, that will depend, I guess, on people's chronotypes, if you're more of an early bird or a night owl. But it is true. We're, we're not machines, are we? And I think we seem to think, you know, even Zoom crashed for me yesterday, you know, so every, everything that needs a break. <laughs> <laughs> I always have a saying that if you optimise your recovery, you can maximise your performance. Yeah. So recovery is crucial um, to, to everyone's sort of overall well-being. Um, and you mentioned about cortisol. So, you know, the release of cortisol is a good thing in the morning because it wakes you up. But then if you're continuing that sort of fight or flight waking hormone throughout the day and carrying that into the night, then it's going to disturb your sleep. And, and you can be unaware of why that is. And you can kind of get used to it. And your circadian rhythm sort of gets set. So you end up to sleeping four hours a night because you, you've done that for years and you just think that's normal. And it's normal to think and, and be a certain way. So I think one of the things we're working on with the Get Active digital program is, is just literally motivating people to do things and reinforce um, habits that they're already aware of. So it's not necessarily teaching them new things. It's about reinforcing things they already know, motivating them to do, to do what, uh, what is ideal for them. It's, it's so interesting you said that because when I was really well, before, before I had the whole cra- crash, you know, I was... I got to the point where I was working and so much and 
you know, just trying to distract myself from everything else that was going off. But I was sleeping for literally three to four hours, if that, a night, you know, and I was, and I just thought it was because I was so busy and everything was, you know, this is what I'm doing. And it was obviously just all the hormones and everything and this habit I'd got myself into, which of course, as we know, is not sustainable. Now, if I don't get eight to nine hours sleep, I'm like, I'm like the honey monster, I need to sleep kind of thing. So it's so funny. And I've really noticed that when I've traveled as well the last few years where I've got jet lag it's a real trigger for my panic attacks I've really noticed that jet lag and lack of sleep can be a trigger for my panic attacks yeah so yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a it's kind of like the unknown superpower of of well-being I think sleep is people just don't realize how much it can really impact them yeah no absolutely it's um it's it's the medicine for for your health really isn't it yeah and uh, I think I think you do go through periods of, of less sleep and more sleep and you, you actually end up balancing yourself out. But it's quite easy to actually end up setting, resetting your circadian rhythms through jet lag and, and also finding it then difficult to get back into a normal routine for a mm. while. Um, it does take time if you're out of that, if you're out of whack, you know, out of sync. Um, and it's important to uh, to address the sleep preparation. So little things like dim lighting and reading books, the cascading of the eyes across the page induce, uh, you know, help induce sleep, uh, according to science. And, and also, um, you know, exercise can really help with that as well. Obviously not too close to sleep time, but exercise during the day and just keeping generally active uh, can help us uh, wind down and sleep better. And then the power of breathing as well, diaphragmatic breathing and uh, can help sort of switch from sympathetic to more parasympathetic balance so so yeah i think i think the more awareness that that we raise throughout companies and business i think it can really help them understand the importance of of well-being because <laughs> it because in the past you know I, I worked for companies in the past where it was all kind of you know man up work 12 14 hours days and that's yeah. that's what you need to do and now that they've the, you know the whole motorsport industry was very much like that in the past and now they've they've, they've obviously realized that that's not productive and they've switched the way they work and and now people don't work as long um, but are more productive when they do work so uh taking breaks and realizing that, that optimizing the recovery uh, can maximize their performance when they're actually uh, in the races and preparing things like that Simon, that leads really nicely into my next question, because um, I was just thinking about what businesses are doing. So what we've done, Ruth, is we've, we've brought Simon in and he's running our Get Active Digital program, our, our well-being and sort of fitness program for all of our employees, um, as well as looking after their nutrition, having one-to-ones with them. And, you know, what we it, it ultimately, what Active Digital have been trying to do, I think it's over the last four years, really. So, you know, well before COVID is trying to make sure we are having those lines of communications open with our employees so that we know how much their load is at the moment. They they feel that they can ask when they need support because what we've obviously seen over the years is I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then somebody's burning out and then having to go to the doctor and maybe take two weeks off work. Mm-hmm. So what we've then been frustrated about, and I mean, I'm pleased to say it hasn't happened a huge amount to us within our business, but when that does happen and someone says, you know, I'm just completely burnt out and I've been signed off for two weeks as an organization, what responsibility do we have? Should we have caught that earlier? 
did they feel that they couldn't talk to anyone about it? Not just us, maybe they weren't talking to their family about it either. But this concept of everybody's fine um, obviously has really changed now since the pandemic. But what are you doing at, at Champs that you're going into organisations to really try and help them build their own programme, really, aren't you? And, and, and almost sort of train them to consider what they're doing for their staff. Because I think some organisations are saying we are looking after our people. But your, your question is, but are you really? Yeah, I think there's a there's a big difference, isn't there, between where you provide some initiatives and then you're really getting into the culture and the fabric of the organisation. Um, there's a great article by the Harvard Business Review about mental health apps. You know, some, the amount of clients that I potentially or potential new clients I speak to where they say, "Well, it's all great. We've got we've got Headspace. <laughs> we've got we've got a mental health app that people can." check in and see what exercise they need to do but unless you've got the support like you've got somebody like Simon who's running that and needing that and having those conversations with your people not everyone is motivated just to look at an app right we know that so and actually when you're so burnt out and you have all that to-do list and you can't get away from your desk for eight or nine hours are you going to be motivated to look at an app probably not um so there is a there's a real sense around initiatives, but also what is your well-being strategy, which I think is the fundamental part of leadership, understanding that well-being sits within business performance and business operations. Um, it's very much about, as you said, open lines of communication, having managers being able to spot the signs in people when they might be something slightly different in them that they could be struggling you know they you create a culture whereby people can ask for help and it is open but not everyone does as we know um, and sometimes we find ourselves when we're on that pressure performance curve we can find ourselves going from stretch to strain quite quite quickly and sometimes without realizing it ourselves and, you know Simon you talked about you know the, the kind of unconscious side of it you know when we're so into it we can't see the wood for the trees because we're right amongst what we're doing and we can I also want to do one more thing and I'll get one more thing done and it, often it takes that colleague or the manager to tap us on the shoulder and say well I think you might need some help or, you know or this has happened you know I, I noticed that you weren't um you know your usual self in the team meeting today or that report that you promised was you know it was a bit later and, and that's fine but I just wanted to understand what's going off is the other commitments at the moment what's your priorities so just having those kind of conversations um to understand what that what that looks like and I think we forget not every people manager is often good with people you know pe managers get promoted often more technical ability not as being people um you know good people uh, bosses so it's also understanding those people that might need more help and support themselves as leaders and in big corporates you know the, the, the kind of big organizations I feel that they're they are they're not also supported so the managers are kind of this marzipan in the Christmas cake where they're kind of squeezed between you know the leadership saying oh these are all the great things we're doing around well-being looking after our people and then but they've got all the targets and they've got all the performance and they're supposed to be looking after, you know, some people look after teams of 30, 40, 50 people. Um, so how do you check in on everybody? How, how, who's checking in on them? <laughs> how do they check in on themselves? You know, there's a, there's a whole part around time as well. And this isn't about, you know, we are a wellbeing consultancy. We're a people business. And there's times when I will work 
every you know we don't we're not open as an office on a Friday because we don't work with clients we don't do internal meetings on a Friday there's if you want to work on a Friday or catch up it's it's around your own workload but you can't be you can't, basically you can't be on email so there's unless you're doing some kind of project work it's it's kind of it, you know not worth you being um, there and actually the idea is people invest their time elsewhere with their families or kids but you know there's times when I will work six days a week or there's times when I will work until you know last week I had a lot of evening events for work so my sleep was out the window Monday Tuesday Wednesday I was working till eight nine o'clock at night but then I had you know a few days off I've got more time off this week so it's flexing it isn't it and I appreciate not every organization can do that but I also think you have to be more strategic about oh well we're going to give you a week off like Nike announced we're giving people a week off but if you're really burnt out a week off isn't going to help it's not going to re you know you might feel a bit more rested but it's not getting to the systemic issues around well why do you need to have that week in the first place or actually is that week off are you going to just be dying lying on the couch or in bed because you're so exhausted you know you're so like you might be going off doing stuff with it so yeah it, it's very much more around the cultural piece I think and and the initiatives are great but they need to really link people people can spot that a mile off now I think people are a bit more aware of fruit basket Fridays and we, you know like I said we've got an app which it doesn't really doesn't tick people's boxes anymore so where perhaps before COVID that would have for lots of people that would be like oh this is really great but I think things have changed a lot in the last 18 months. This podcast is sponsored by Active Digital, a business communications company and Apple partner that puts cutting edge technology in your hands. Visit our website to see our latest offers or download our free customer app by searching Active Digital in the iOS App Store. Built for business, built for you. And that's why we're trying to get to get Active Digital as an app. We've been always sort of piloting it on ourselves for over a year with Simon and um, we're really excited because we want we want to bring that to market because you're right. I mean, I was speaking to one of our largest clients the other week about the app and whether they'd like to go on a trial. And they said, yes, because I said, what do you use at the moment? And although he said, it's not my department, it will go to HR. He said, I think we've got Calm. You know, we have Calm. Yeah. They can go on at any time. And I was like, that's, but he said, yeah, we're probably not doing enough. And they've got, I think over 1200 employees in the UK. So that's brilliant when they, if they want to trial it, but we wanted to do it, you know, for ourselves first, really, to see how it impacts our own stuff. And that's that's great just from a business perspective, but also understanding how it works and, and how people can engage with it and understanding all the different types of people you have that work for you, different personalities, how they look at it and what they feel about it and having that that data in you know very real raw data as well yeah yeah Yeah, i think it's the authenticity of companies actually providing well-being services yeah actually it's very it's very easy to tick a few boxes to say oh we're doing this this and this but is it actually having a personal impact on people and you know just talking about the get active program a little bit the the whole premise of that is literally just short videos reminding and motivating people to do the basic things uh, 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 right, and mm. and then having one-to-one contact with people, uh, phone, phone calls, and actually, and also meeting up with people, and actually going through 
uh, basic, you know, walking and showing them how to exercise effectively to offset the issues that can be caused from sitting down for long periods and having a, having a balance of, of watching a, a short motivational video, but also then having some one-to-one contact. And I think mm. that's extremely important. Yeah. And, and then having sort of uh, monthly sort of group Zoom calls um, so everyone can listen to the expert talk about a particular topic and then interact with them to ask questions and things like that. So, so I think, um, I mean, it's had a, it's had a great impact with with Active Digital, which which is fantastic, and and, and obviously it um, it hopefully will continue that in the commercials in the commercial sense. But from a company perspective, um, I think companies need to start waking up and realizing a little bit about actually what what does work and what 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 is effective long term and these apps and things like that are, are a short short term uh, short term investment where people look at them for a week or so go wow this is amazing and then they stop using it after about two or three weeks and especially if you're not encouraged to to use it so uh, yeah i see lots of great things that are like that but then people are not given the time to do it so they say well you've given me this great tool and I really want to use it and I want to engage with it but you also don't give me any time to do that so you know or the managers are not giving it's it's often the um the explicit permission you know because you could be my boss Simon saying come on you know we've got this great app Ruth you can use it and if you're if I log on to it and you're, you're like, well, where, where are you going? And I say, well, I'm, I'm going to go for lunch and, and do this walkie. And you say, well, we've got this to do now. Or, oh, I can't believe you're doing that. Or you make some off the cuff comment and immediately it shuts me down. Right. And I think, well, I can't do that really. You know, and that's happened to me in the corporate world. I was told we can't, you can't go for a gym session at lunchtime because you've only got an hour. So by the time you've done a class and come back and shower, that's not going to be enough time. And I was like, but I would stay later anyway to make that time up. And it, that always resonated with me, that comment. I was like, well, and it really switched me off. As somebody who loves fitness, that really switched me off the organisation as well because I was like, well, it's my lunch break. Um, yeah, and it uses that stress response as well, doesn't it? So your interpretation of that situation creates stress. So whenever yeah. you feel guilty, and then, and then if you still carry on going to the gym, you think, oh, well, I can't attend the class. I've got to just stick to the gym so i finish it 45 minutes and then i'm in a rush to get ready quick shower get back to your shower. desk yeah. and then get, get back to just sweating, sweating. <laughs> sweating yeah. breath. Um, about, you know, yeah so i think i think you, I think you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about um certain managers not all managers and leaders but certain managers and leaders who are promoted for their technical ability and not their social skills and their eq what we call eq so emotional intelligence with with communicating with people and getting the best out of people and for me the best leader is somebody who who can interact with people and, and get get the most out of their teams and and actually listen to them and engage with them and have the passion to to, to want them to be well um, because ultimately the bottom line um, and productivity goes up you know and I think leaders leaders in some cases um miss miss that boat massively and it's yeah. so simple it's like healthy well-being well-being person will perform better and that's science that's that's literally fact you know you can't get around that so it's literally the, the number one thing that leaders need to embrace and get get to grips with is well-being is the number one uh most important and most crucial area of area of their business or component of their business which which will ultimately make them more money mm. and 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 have more productive staff 
Well, that's that's why Henry Ford went from a, a six day week to a five day week, because he realized that actually his employees on the production line were more. So he was the one that changed all that work week because he was like, well, if I give people two days off to do what they want, the leisure, they come back. And even though I'm not producing cars, they come back on a Monday and they're super productive and I still output more production so he was switched on to that we seem to have lost that over the last century yeah. I know it's amazing isn't it it's so it's 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 kind of logical and simple um but I, and I don't understand how people can't grasp that that if you have a person who you know because exercise itself is a stress on the body and if you're already and, and the body doesn't care where stress comes from it deals with exactly the same way the hormonal response is exactly the same exactly the same so if you are considerably stressed or how you interpret that and your body is stressed then you exercise at a vigorous level that's going to create more stress in the body so it's it's get, getting people to understand it and being more in tune with their bodies um, so they know if they are feeling very very stressed and a bit run down they're not going to push themselves by exercising profusely and actually do light exercise which actually science has shown that by doing very light exercise like walking forest bathing in nature mm. um as it's called now <laughs> um that it can actually help and induce uh, well-being and relaxation and, and and make you feel better you know so it heals you so then you can go back to the gym and do a mm. vigorous session when you are feeling optimized um so i think it's and companies need to realize that in people as well that if you're burning somebody out you, you've got to be switched on and in tune with your teams and, and individuals to know, right, that person needs some more recovery time. Um, otherwise, they're going to burn out and, and they're mm. going to just to me. <laughs> so it's, it's I think the, the person who can embrace that is, is going to be the best leader going forwards, um, especially after this whole pandemic, which has taught us a lot of life lessons, I think. Do you think that leaders sometimes forget that they're being role models all the time? There's eyes on them all the time. And and even for me, like on days when I've forgotten to go out for a walk and the other day I was really honest and I put on our sort of team group um, on, our, on our app, you know, guys, I've not been out for my walk today. You know, I'm so, so frustrating. I didn't go out for my walk, but I hope you guys did something. What did you do today? And they're all commenting of the things that mm. they've done. But actually I thought, you know, I'm going to be honest and I haven't been out for my walk today and I'm really upset with myself that I didn't so I think being open like that is important but thinking about leadership you created your own podcast didn't you Ruth to have lots of conversations with interesting mm. people called the new rules podcast I was very grateful to be on it and I'd love you to just tell us a bit more about the thoughts behind new rules and some of the guests that you had and some of the topics they were talking about so the reason I wanted to do it was because I really wanted to focus on the sort of the positive psychology aspect of leadership and positive organizational behavior. And I took lots of different themes from the world of positive psychology and applied them into sort of, sort of real life case studies, which was where you came in, you did the authenticity and imposter phenomenon one, didn't you? So yeah, that was great. So we had a really good chat about that. I had, so I had Amanda um, Thompson from Thompson Scott and Laura Willoughby from uh, Club Soda, which is a mindful drinking organization. They were talking about wellness leadership. So uh, from a perspective, we talked a lot about the hospitality industry and um, also co the corporate world and, and alcohol and, and might being a mindful drinker. Um, so there's a, there a whole aspect around wellness. Um, had the chef Simon Boyle. He was wonderful talking about grit and resilience. Um, and I had the, the wonderful, you know him very well, David McQueen. <laughs> 
love David. Remind um, me what he spoke about. He spoke about forgiveness. Ah. We got really deep onto the whole topic of forgiveness <laughs> as a leadership, as a leadership kind of trait, which isn't something that's often spoken about. Um, and that was really lovely conversation. So yeah, there were just there were just really different types of conversations around, you know, a, a topic that I chose around positive psychology and just kind of unpicking that and how it, what it meant for that individual and you know it, the conversation just flowed from there. So no, I yeah, that's great. So what I'm learning from what you guys are talking about today, and I've, I've written this down, but if we can create the right team culture, that breeds productivity and ultimately that builds profitability mm. so that that's sort of what I'm seeing at the moment so um you know what are you, what are you working on at the moment Ruth apart from your so you've got your sort of day-to-day -day work within Shams what what what, what else is, is filling your time at the moment um so outside of Shams at the moment so I've got a rewrite of my original piece of research on post-traumatic growth and coaching which is ready to be published but it just needs you know what it's like edits I've just oh. <laughs> rolling my eyes there um yeah so I've got that to do and I've also got halfway through a piece of the, the piece of research I'm doing in partnership with the University of East London on the domestic abuse violence um coaching program that I've run for the last 18 months with a Midlands charity so kindly work with me on that I'm now a resident writer for on the couch magazine which is really lovely so that's kind of very much a psychology sociology and criminology magazine but it seems to be I guess it's really great traction and now in WH Smith so that's really lovely to see that when it's out on the shelves and I go and open it up to my article and leave it there brilliant but that's what you're going to be like with your book <laughs> like, I will be I'll be stocking it for you. I'll be moving it to the front everywhere. I will be putting my book in the in the window of Waterstones, and I have yeah. literally no shame. No, I have I to. I will do that for you and Penn <laughs> as well. On my side, we're in London. Or if I go in WH Smith, I'll open the magazine for you. So, uh, yeah. So there's some of the things that work here. And also, um, in March this year, I did set up a third business because why not? Uh, which is my which is my. Own, coaching practice really so it's it's as you know being a business owner um you know it, it's basically the, the stuff that I get paid for like you know the university work that I do and writing and all the other stuff which doesn't sit within either of those two fields of champs or champs for change but one thing I've been really um enjoying doing is I've been taking coaches who are starting out on their business particularly those that have gone through the same MSc as myself and helping them kickstart their own coaching business whatever sector they're in within coaching but a lot of it is around there is some business practical guidance and masterclasses but actually a lot of it is around the fear of stepping up the fear of showing up what barriers obstacles so we're just about to launch a second cohort of that um, which is quite exciting so yeah so yeah there's lots keeping me busy <laughs> yeah yeah and you and you write lots of articles for the independent and you've been i think you've been in metro and yeah i was papers. interviewed yesterday from magazine which will be out this week uh, oh. for stylist so yes amazing Hmm. Yes. <laughs> that's good. Always, Every... always turning up somewhere. <laughs> that's great. That's great. But people want your people want your your input and your and your wisdom, which is why you're on our podcast. If you were to give some advice to any businesses or business owners that are listening to this podcast right now, what is one thing that they should invest in? I know obviously investing in their people, but what 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 can they what could they go and do? You know, this week, this month, that could really change what they're doing for their people. Do you think? You've touched on it already, but 
ask the questions around what their employees actually want, but in a way that the employees know that there's no fear of being open and honest. You know, there's no negative consequences to them saying, well, actually, I don't, you know, we don't like this or we don't agree with this or this isn't working for us. So get that get that data in a way that is, is in its truest form, but also then action it. Because this is what I also see is where leaders, managers do that and they go out and they collate all this great data and there's obviously a mix of good and bad because no one's perfect and there's stuff to change and shift. But then it never gets communicated back. There's no action plan. There's no follow up. So everyone's like, well, you asked me that 12 months ago and I'm not going to bother this time around. And they have a really low uptake then on, you know, for example, like an engagement survey. So if you haven't got any data, you don't know what's wrong. You don't know what to fix. You don't know what it's even from a appreciative inquiry perspective. You don't know what's going well. You don't know what you can build on. You don't know what your strengths are. So ask the questions. Um, but I, I think that part, which does link into culture, is about if somebody does provide that data, then how do they know they're going to, they can trust you with that data? I think that would be my starting point always. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And what's the best advice that you've ever been given, would you say? My best advice, and I always use this one when I get asked this question, and because I just know where I was standing at that point in time. And it was when I was at Rolls-Royce and a business manager turned around to me when I worked on the Trent 500 engine project. And he said to me, Ruth, sometimes 80% is good enough. And I just took that because as someone who's a high performer, a high achiever, and I was probably about 22 at that point. So this is going back 20 something years. It's that I know sometimes my 100% is probably way above someone else's 100%. So actually 80% is good enough. But actually sometimes in business, we just need to get stuff done and get stuff out there. It's not going to be perfect. And I think that was what he was trying to tell me. And that just stuck with me. And I didn't really pay attention to it until later on in my career. And now it's one of those things that I, I get it now. I know why he mentioned that. So, yeah. No, I think that's a great answer. And I think particularly for women and girls, you know, we do have a bit of an issue with perfection and and what we see Mm. online or offline. But you're right. You know, things don't have to be perfect. And and often 80 percent is is good enough or whatever is your personal best is good. enough. Yes. Yeah. Any final thoughts from you, Simon? Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I think I'm, I'm guilty of being a bit like that sometimes and trying to take on everything and then realizing You've got to juggle quite a lot to and trying to make everything perfect is impossible and to do the best you can and, and be motivated to do it um however you achieve that um but yeah i think i think it's important for people to not be too hard on themselves and give themselves a bit of a break sometimes and realize that yeah putting in 80 percent is is enough and sometimes you can put in 100 percent and make something close to perfect but not all the time <laughs> <laughs> great oh thank you so much ruth thank That's you for great. having me it's, it's been, been lovely. So lovely really lovely to chat to you both. oh thank really you so much really really good and you know i hope people really get something out of it and i'm sure they will and, and take away some words of wisdom so yeah have a great rest of the week thank you very much you too speak to you soon speak to you soon thanks ruth We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And if you can, please leave us a rating and a review. You can also find Active Digital on all of your favourite social media channels and our website, activedigital.co.uk.